Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm very well, and I am actually very intrigued and excited to chat with you today because I only know, I guess, just some high-level bits and pieces about what you do now and uh, your story. And so I'm actually really excited to find out a bit more. I'm very curious to, to hear about how you ended up uh, where you are and you know the insights that you can share that might help other people thinking about making a bit of a significant career change. Absolutely. I'm really, really excited to um, be sharing my story today because um, it's, it's very different. What I do now is extremely different to what I used to do. So, <laughs> Well, that being said, can you tell us what, what is it? How do you describe what it is that you do now? So I work in the health and fitness industry. So my business is Strong Healthy Women. Mm-hmm. And I help women over the age of 50 be active and healthy and feel connected to community through my online commu- uh, programs as well as my face-to-face programs. Great. And so, but before that, I worked in the IT industry that specialised in HR and payroll software. So it's an extremely male-dominant field that I worked in and so yeah it, it's just miles apart and it took a lot of adjustment. This is what's coming to mind for me is when you said that is they I'm sure okay there might be other examples of really extreme but when I imagine what it would be like working for an IT company in the software sort of space <laughs> and then working with yeah. women in the health space I, I, they're kind of that's quite a significant pivot should we say uh, so how did that come about how how long had you worked um, in IT and maybe just share with us about what was going on for you that sort of led you to consider and make this kind of size of a change yeah it was definitely a massive change for me uh, I had been working in that industry for in excess of 20 plus years so and I'd worked my way through the ranks and it was like I enjoyed the job and everything like that. But I had had a bit of a health issue. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, it was sort of like that moment where I went, you know what, I, I think I need to change. I, it's just I, I just felt like I was ready for it. And so I had this interesting life. I lived with my grandparents and my mother when I was younger and my grandparents were quite ill. And so I was around this illness all the time. Mm -hmm. And what transpired from that, unbeknownst to me, was I started to make these small changes in my life. What happened was when I got to my 40s and I had this health concern, I went, you know what, if I don't up the ante on what I'm doing now, I'm going to end up with all of those chronic illnesses that, you know, my mother has, my grandmother had, my great-grandmother had. So I need to make more significant changes in my life. Wow. And I started doing that whilst I was working mm-hmm. um, in, at the company. And, and so I got to this stage where, you know, be, being in a G, uh, general manager's role, there was always something going on and, you know, you were expected to stay back late. But there were, there were three days a week where I just went, you know what, I'm walking out here at five o'clock every afternoon and I'm going to my sessions. So I started doing weight training. Okay. I'm going to my sessions and nobody is going to impact that. And I basically got told by a young trainer that, you know, well, it's just the way it is, you know, when you age. And I went, you know what? I don't think it is. It just isn't like that. And so I started to do some research 
And from there, I ended up getting my qualifications just because I didn't know at that stage I was going to do anything with it. It was just because I was interested in health and well-being, having seen what had happened with, you know, particularly my grandmother. And at that point, I started to see how much my body shape was changing and how much more energy I had and I went you know if this works for me it's going to work for other people too (laughs) so I've got a a couple of quick questions this I mean there's so many questions that are coming up um so when you said that you got your qualifications what qualifications were they Mm. so I got a uh, with the Cleveland Clinic over in the U.S. uh, certificates in certifications in nutrition uh, fitness and mindset change yeah wow okay and then here in Australia, I got my certificate four in personal training. Great. So nice little and, r- range of things. And how old were you hmm. at, roughly at, at that time when all of this was coming up for you? Early 40s. Early 40s. Okay, great. Uh, and I also love yeah. that, um, you know, you're in a what I imagine is a pretty busy role, a GM role, so lots of responsibilities, high expectations. But something in you told you it was important for you to have those couple of days a week where you were doing something for yourself what do you think it was that was making that important because I know that for myself when I was in my last employed role you know it was a busy role high expectations and I definitely had tendencies of workaholism uh, and getting out of the office when you're really in a quite a demanding role is something that I know I found and a, a lot of people listening potentially find really challenging. How did you make that happen? For me personally, and, and it's what I teach at Strong Healthy Women, it's what's important to you, what matters to you. And so even though you might have all those responsibilities going on, what is the number one thing that's important? Because if you don't have your health, then the rest of it is just not going to happen either. So identifying why it was important to me was the key change that happened. So I'm going to end up like all the women in my family if I don't do something. Right. And because you'd had that early experience of living with your grandparents and sort of seeing you know that play out of how their lives were as it turns out you didn't probably realize it at the time but that uh, definitely informed your the choices that you made when you got to this transition is that fair to say absolutely totally totally yeah. fair to say yeah and so You've, you've done the qualifications and you mentioned earlier that you really were sort of doing the qualifications, not necessarily at that stage thinking, oh, this I'm going to, you know, quit my job and go and do this other thing initially. But at what point did it sort of start to become clear to you that actually this was something that might be viable as another direction for you? I was at, at work. And I was in a big company meeting and I was sitting there thinking, I'm just not, I'm not engaged in this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had loved it up until that point. Yeah. And I realized right then and there that I needed to make a change. And so, yes, I left my big high paying corporate job to work in a very dense field, health and fitness. Um, and and what's going through my head is how am I, on earth am I going to make this work for me? Like how am I going to make money out of this? Yeah. What you've mentioned there I think is really important in and it's potentially it's different for different people about exactly how that moment occurs but I love the fact that it, it, it seems like it was almost like this bolt out of the blue in a meeting where you realize your own level of, of um, disengagement and it's not to say that you hadn't ever enjoyed it but for whatever reason you'd got to a point where that level of satisfaction just wasn't there anymore and that therefore 
Well, actually, how did you then go from realizing that to taking steps? Because I think often people will have that realization of like, oh, I used to love this job or love this industry and I'm not loving it anymore, but they don't necessarily take steps. They tell themselves, oh, look, it's just a phase or it's just this project or my boss is just in having a hard time or whatever the story is. What do you think was different for you? Because I had actually fully connected with myself and, and my thought processes, mm-hmm. I had realized that it had been something that had been ongoing for me. And, and I love that job. I absolutely, totally cherish that job. But it was becoming, for want of a better description, it was quite easy. Right. There was no challenge in it. Yeah, there, so there wasn't a challenge in it. And so, therefore, I wasn't really in the game. Yep. And so at, at that point, I went, you know what? I just, I went in boots and all. I just went, you know what? I'm resigning. Oh, really? You went straight for the <laughs> rip it off like a Band-Aid? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a boots and all girl. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so, because that was going to be my next question about, okay, what was the plan and how did you transition? And you were just like, so what sort of time frame does this, did this all kind of happen over roughly, do you think? It was probably over a, a two to two week to four week process <laughs> because I had to give I had to give a month's notice but when I gave my month's notice because I was privy to such confidential information mm-hmm. and processes um, he just said no you just need to go and pack your office up now and and leave wow so that I guess is one insight into to uh, what I was going to ask about how did other people react to your decision <laughs> yeah that was um quite massive um <laughs> because I did I walked around the office and I said oh well I'm leaving now and they said oh you're going home early no 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 I'm leaving now I won't be, I won't be back oh I've just resigned yeah and it was like uh, a total shock really and you know crying and cuddling and (laughs) all sorts of things going on and you know I've kept in contact with a lot of people that I worked with as well too and you know there's a couple that I have had formed a really really strong uh, friendship with in the years that I worked there so and we're still good friends and I actually only caught up with them a, a couple of weeks ago so I'm still trying to get my head around that sort of um, <laughs> speediness of the decision. I really, I really admire it, um, and I think it's one of those things where, to your point that you raised earlier, that you had done the work before then around in, increasing your own level of self awareness to be able to know yourself well enough to recognise, you know, what's going on here. To then, I assume be feeling confident to make that sort of a decision yeah I think what happens for me personally I often you know if something's going on in my life some of the ladies will say to me make sure you take care of yourself and I always go remember I wrote the book on (laughs) self-care I didn't really write the book on self-care but it's something that I've always been very conscious of looking after myself first Mm -hmm. and I think that for women in particular, that what happens is that we get so caught up in looking after everybody else, you know, family, friends, ageing parents, et cetera, et cetera, that we don't take that time out to nurture ourselves. And it doesn't really take a lot of time. It can just be five minutes, but it's really, really important. Yes, and I think that it's this the habit of self-care is one that I think for a lot of women that I know is one that's very easy to keep putting down to the bottom of the list and thinking mm-hmm. it's going to take too long or I'll, I'll, I'll just do this, this and this first and then I'll, you know, sit down and, you know, read a magazine or meditate or do a yoga class or whatever their their thing would be and then it just never happens so do you think that's something that can be taught or learnt to prioritize self-care more absolutely absolutely I, I mean it can be as simple as 
set the alarm five minutes earlier and whatever that thing is that you're going to do for yourself, do not let anything else distract it. Just get into the habit of doing it. You need to be consistent. So mm. once you get consistent with it, then it just becomes part of the daily practice that you have. So one of the things that I do is when I wake up, I look around because I live on a property and I look around at the trees and, you know, hear the birds. And, and so I just think about what I'm thankful for mm-hmm. that day. And then I wiggle my body around. I call it the childlike stretch. You know, remember <laughs> when your parents would wake you up and you'd do that, you know, that arm thing above your head yes. and you wiggle around a lot? Yep. That's the stretch. Because what happens is we start to get aches and pains as we age and it's just simply that everything's pooling into one area where we, when we're sleeping. And so if we just wiggle around like we did when we were, ch- we're children – then your those aches and pains start to disappear because you know the blood's flowing through your body yes that makes sense like really simple stuff you know kids had it all over us really yeah (laughs) they'd have the bath you know the bedtime stories yeah they get all the good stuff there's another way to self-care isn't it yeah so you go and have a bath and then you go and sit and read a book oh sounds like the dream it is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you've you've ripped it off like a Band-Aid. You've resigned. You've made everybody cry. Everyone's just like, what the hell just happened? What about others in your life? So whether it's friends or, or, or family, had they seen this coming or were they shocked? How, how did they respond? Some friends that I, I was extremely close to, they saw it coming. So right. it wasn't a shock to them. Uh, for Paul, it certainly wasn't a shock for him either. I mean, it was he was very, very supportive of the situation where I came home with all my boxes. Yes. <laughs> and um, my children were all grown up by that stage. They weren't living at home. So they were off doing their own things. So it didn't really have any impact on them. It's not, okay, mum, whatever you know, yeah. works for you type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so the the only interesting person was my mother who even to this day will still find a job in the newspaper and say, oh, there's a job here that would be good for you. And I, <laughs> I just think that she does think that I've actually got a real job. Yeah. Isn't it interesting about the, the fact that no matter how old you are, you, you're still their child and the impact that your parents can have over what it is that you do for work or how they perceive what it is that you do for work. And um, I think it's great that you obviously didn't let that stop you, Um, whereas I think for a lot of people that potentially has influenced how they got into whatever industry they got into and because of the uh, family expectations, it's another um, reason for them to stay doing something that's either just really not inspiring them anymore or uh, on the other end of the spectrum is actually making them really unwell and so I think it's it's great that despite the fact that your mum is still recruiting for you (laughs) it's great that you that you still move forward and so being in into a whole new situation which is you're not an employee on a you know healthy salary anymore you're now working for yourself as you said in you know this industry that is in some respects, you know, really flooded with lots of different options and lots of different providers. How did you approach starting your business and and how did that go in the early days for you? I I did actually start by just working for an organisation that I could have that practical knowledge of the skills that I'd learned. Uh And I think that was that was important to me because if I hadn't done that, I think going straight into the business itself, there would have been a lot of self-doubt around, you know, I, I might have the skills, I might have the qualifications, but somebody else has got more than what I have. And let's be honest, someone's always going to have more skills and qualifications than what you do. Mm. Yeah, so you sort of took that transition approach of uh Mm-hmm. Using your new skills, but for somebody else. So was that freelancing, or you were working part time or um, casual for another provider, or how did just that work? Casual. Yeah, yeah, just casual for another provider, and 
and you know I could pick and choose the hours then and I and because I'd had a little nest egg you know put aside you know there were days there where I would just laze about beside the pool and <laughs> <laughs> contemplate life and just contemplate life and go this is lovely <laughs> why can't I do this forever <laughs> yeah so you've, you've you've brought up a very important topic or issue which is uh, is the financials and again what a lot of people share with me that is a big fear that they have and a handbrake I guess from them maybe making a change that they might want to make is finances and especially when someone's used to earning a really decent regular salary how did that play out for you you you've said that you had a, a bit of a nest egg there um, did that give you confidence or what was your approach to the financial side of things? Oh, and this is a massive lesson that I had because I didn't really think about it. So I just went, yeah, okay, it'll be okay. It'll just work out and didn't really have a plan. Right. And so <laughs> once I started to really then think about, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to do that? I really then started to look at the financial aspect of it and go, well, how am I going to make money out of this? Mm. Because, you know, in this particular industry, everyone's all about, you know, cutting costs and everything and having the cheapest solution, whereas I, I wasn't about that at all. It was like, well, you know, I know my value having come from another industry um, where I was getting charged out at a, at a significant rate, it was like, well, I'm I'm worth this extra money. But getting that across in my marketing was was quite difficult to come to terms with as well too. And what I found was in getting a mentor and then getting engaged in groups that had women who were far more savvy than what I was, certainly helped me yeah right so that opens up a whole another line of questioning around you know some of the things that you can realize when you start to work for yourself there yes there's a great deal of experience and value and worth that you bring from from everything you've done before and there's also a whole new range of skills to be developed and that you can come up against some interesting hurdles when you are working for yourself and one of them is around marketing and how is it that you talk about yourself and the value that you offer and have the right kind of people find you is for most people it's a real challenge um, and so I think it's great that you I guess recognized needing some support around that and started to surround yourself with people that you could learn from in these in some of these new areas were there anything was there anything in particular that you sort of think oh uh, I wish I'd known earl earlier or sooner about how to do this thing or that I'd need to know that I wish someone had said to me you need a business plan <laughs> <laughs> and you, you need a financial plan and you need a marketing plan yeah <laughs> So, yeah, I think that would have been good that actually someone said, well, okay, it's okay for you to do this, but you need to actually think about how that all plays out and everything. So, yes. <laughs> so I definitely wish that I would have had someone who just waved that flag in front of me and I, and I did think about it a lot more. Yeah. And being so I've learned as I've gone. Yes, and that's look. Sometimes that's just the way that it is. Because my question was going to be that if if you think back to that time, either just before you resigned or early days of considering that, if someone had said to you, "Hey, Peter, um, great idea," but before you do that, here's this you know business plan template, or you know, let's have a look at your marketing. Do you think that at that time you would have? known and been open to that or you were in the bubble of just backing yourself and the whole possibility of it and there's no right or wrong I don't want to lead you at all I'm just really curious to, to see what you think whether you would have seen the value of it or if you have to get to the point of of realizing that you do need it <laughs> I for me 
if someone had said that to me, I, I would have definitely jumped on board mm-hmm. and, you know, tried to, to figure it out. Yeah. Because I am a serial learner. I can relate. <laughs> I just recently, you can relate. I recently had to do, uh, um, I got nominated for the 2020 Fitness Australia Business Awards. Oh, congratulations. And I was putting in my, thank you. And I was putting in this submission uh, for it and I needed to take photos of all the qualifications, you know, on the wall and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I went, oh, okay. So I only have, you know, a few up there. And then all of a sudden I started pulling the rest of them out of the cupboard. <laughs> and I went, holy smokes, am I a serial learner or what? <laughs> yes, probably so, I would say yes. Yeah. So definitely be prepared to learn. It is definitely a key piece of advice that I yes. would give. And, yeah. and really surrounding yourself with people that are far more knowledgeable than what you are. Yes, you mentioned that earlier. Tell, tell us a bit more about what you mean by that. Because what happens is if, you're, if you don't have those skills and you're in a group where these other people that you're with do have those skills, it means that you're stepping up more into it and so you're challenging yourself more and you're going to grow a lot more from it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really agree. And as a, a fellow serial learner, you know, I'm always doing different courses and wanting to be part of a mastermind group or a group coaching program to keep stretching myself. And I remember when I first trained as a coach, having a realization that I, the, the real contrast from what I had, had come from to where I was and where I was going, that where I'd come from in my role, I was used to being the one with all the answers. I was used to being the one that people came to and I would be able to troubleshoot, I'd be able to tell them where things were, how things got done, you know, really being in that complete confident space of knowing what I was doing and then going into the new space, it was like, Almost all of this, I don't know. And so it was really one of those things where I guess, and you mentioned it earlier about the importance of resilience, of being able to be uncomfortable or in that unfamiliar space of not necessarily having all the answers and trying to find a way to be okay with that whilst you do what you need to do to find the answers. But do you, can you relate to any of that? Oh, absolutely, totally. And do you know what? I see this all the time. I've just recently had two new clients join me in my face-to-face program and one's 78 and the other one is 74. 78 years old? 78 and 74. So here's two women in their 70s who have never worked out in their lives. But they have realised that if they want to keep doing the things that they love and enjoy, then they need to do something. And so they've stepped right outside of their comfort zone. They don't know anybody in the group. And I, one of them, the 78-year-old, recently said to me, you know what, I got out of bed at 6 o'clock this morning and I got into my car to come over to do this session and I'm thinking, Diane, why are you doing this? This is just ridiculous. And then all of a sudden I realised I did my shoes up this morning and I haven't been able to do that. Oh, wow. And so here's a woman who was prepared to get out of her comfort zone and it was just little things like she couldn't do up a bra at the back yeah, or do up her shoelaces or, you know, bend down and see what's in the, you know, the corner cupboard. And, yes. you know, not that's not what it is for everybody. But if for seven, like that's an inspiration to me. If at seventy oh, totally. eight, if at seventy eight years old you can start exercising for the very first time in your life and put the biggest smile on your face when you're doing it, it's like, well, what am I complaining about, really? If I have to do something that's a little bit outside of of what I I know and feel comfortable with. Yes. Yeah. That's so, I. Love the fact that you have shared that example of those two. And the thing is that 
there are inspirations everywhere around us. We just need to look for that inspiration. Yeah. And I think that opens up that challenge that I think for a lot of if we go, okay, that, you know, let's say that the idea of this podcast series is to share as many different stories and examples of women who made significant career change after the age of 40 to show those examples that it is it is possible and there's lots of different ways that you can do it and that you don't have to stay in a one track of your the industry that you've perhaps always worked in or have worked in for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I want to be able to share those stories because I, I really feel like the more reference points people have, the more examples people have of people that have done it, it opens up the sense of possibility. And I guess that is what you're talking about, about those looking for those inspirations rather than looking for the limitation and just accepting the cop-out of, oh, it's too late for me now. That's right. But I have actually come to the realisation that I think for women there, there are two mindsets. Those that go, okay, nope, I can't do it. I'm, in, in my case, you know, too old. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not this age and I'm prepared to give it a go. Mm-hmm. So my mother, for example, she's, she's the same age as these two women who have just joined me. And it's like, oh, yep. that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> She's never going to try it. She's never going to even be remotely interested in it. Yeah. To improve the quality of the life that she has. Yeah, which again comes back to the, the the common theme of, you know, of really knowing and understanding what it is that is most important to you as an individual and whether or not doing work that you love, that you thrive in is important to you. And if so, then you will be more likely to be open to consider possibilities. If your general health and well-being is important to you, then you're more likely to consider different ways of keeping your body moving or think considering your nutrition but if it's not important to you then it it either won't occur to you or it's very easy to have the filter of well that's just ridiculous they're trying to be something that they're not or whatever story you would bring if you were that kind of person so I guess it's still comes back to that self-awareness piece of not Mm. getting onto any kind of um, change just because either it's trendy or it's what other people think that you should do or tell you you should do, but actually genuinely checking in with yourself about what motivates you, what you're curious about, what you're interested in, what's important to you, and then taking action to explore those things and to make those things real in your life. Um, And it sounds like that's part of what you're offering to your clients and your new potential clients is a, a channel for them to continue to focus on optimal health at any age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my eldest client's 83. Um, oh, what's her name? Beryl. Beryl. I knew it was going to be a nana name. I just love it. Beryl. That's so great. <laughs> um, and, and Beryl is, um, yeah, 83. She is on no medication whatsoever. She can push up like a 50-year-old and some 40-year-olds can't push. I was going to say, I I reckon she'd probably outdo me. (laughs) And, you know, she she plays golf and she doesn't get in a buggy. She, you know, she drags her, you know, handheld buggy around the the holes of golf. So she's very conscious of staying active and moving. Yep. Yeah. Wowzers. So are there any other uh, challenges that you think that you have faced in the transition into doing your own thing compared to being an employee? I think the, the loneliness of it is okay because you're trying to make decisions, whereas, you know, in the corporate world I had a team of people so you could workshop ideas. Whereas yeah. all of a sudden you're sitting there in an office at home by yourself and you're going, well, I'm not really sure. Is this the right thing to do or is this the wrong thing to do? What, 
And so not having that person or those other people around you is is a real struggle. And that's why, you know, just simply getting involved in other groups where you've got people who support you, I think it's really, Mm -hmm. really important when you're in business by yourself. Yes, and I can really relate that, um, you know, having a meeting with yourself is is very different from when you're used to being in a, in a corporate environment where there's a team of you doing that. And uh, I think it's a common theme that has been coming up in these conversations that I have with my clients and with the different women I've been interviewing in this series so far that the the loneliness. Did you think about that or, or have any awareness of that before you made the move or was it just not really on your radar? No, it wasn't really. It's like anything. Yeah. I don't think there was too much on my radar at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, just, okay, what did I'm you say, lounging around the pool? Yeah, lounging around the pool was in my mind. <laughs> yes, yes. And look, this is the thing with anything, isn't it, that, you know, often there's um, we, we create the brochure in our mind and then there's a whole stack of stuff that we don't know that we don't know. Oh, absolutely. I love that saying, though, mm. don't you? I don't know what I don't yeah. know. Yes. Yeah. And, and but then it also, you know, suggests that you've got to take action and you've got to be moving forward and you'll get n- new information and then you go, oh, I didn't even realise I had to think about that and what do I do now? And that then it's another kind of, I guess, step to take and to keep moving because um, a lot of people, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this, uh, a lot of people that perhaps are unhappy in their job, they've, they've you know, got the golden handcuffs is what I often say where, you know, the, the really, you know, ge- yes, generous uh, salary but whether either the work is not fulfilling or there's a disconnect or maybe there are health challenges and issues but the fear of, of losing that regular income and connection and all of that is greater than the desire for the next thing that they tell themselves and in fact I've had people tell me until I know exactly what is the right thing for me to do next I'm not going to change anything they, they literally want to feel like they know the perfect thing to do and how they're going to do it before they take any steps yeah for okay. you the health uh, I guess theme was there in the background bubbling away for a long time mm. but is there anything that you could provide in terms of insight about either how you approached that or how you felt confident enough to know what you were going to do next I, do, I don't think there's any well I know there are no certainties in life so and there's no perfect situation it's the whole thing is a learning process. It, it comes down to control. So if you can make a decision, you will feel that you are now in control of that situation. So if you make no decision, then you feel like you're going down this windy path and you're not getting anywhere anyway. So mm-hmm. and you just you're just staying in that one spot. So yeah. making a decision, and if that decision is I'm just going to stay here where I am, then be happy with that decision, because there is no right or wrong decision. It is just simply you taking control over the life that you are choosing for yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting that you say that because, um, you know, I had a phase that I went through in, when, in my last employee situation where I was unhappy and had been a bit unhappy for a while. There was lots of changes going on in the business that I didn't necessarily agree with and, you know, there were challenges. But it got to a point where I, I don't know whether I was almost just giving myself a bit of a slap of saying, well, you're, you're choosing to stay. So either actively choose to stay and get on with it or choose to go, but don't just swim in your juices of uh, uh, whinging about it or deliberating about it. And there was something, and I don't know that I would have used the word control, but it totally makes sense around this. There's something empowering about consciously choosing. Even if nothing's changing, I'm consciously choosing to accept that I'm staying. Mm, and Absolutely. 
mm-hmm. for me yeah, and it, it did get to a point where I consciously decided to not stay but it's just that there is something that does shift when you feel like you've you've made an active decision rather than just drifting along to just respond to whatever is thrown at you mm. so uh, motivation is the same you know people say I don't have the motivation to do something motivation mm-hmm. is just again the same situation the minute that you make a decision you've now in control of that part of it and when you become in control you are then motivated to keep moving forward yes so there is really something about that what is the motivation um that's working for you or or not working for you perhaps Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what do you think is the best thing about, you know, or that you enjoy the most about what you do now? The best thing is the fact that I am changing people's lives. Yeah. And uh, I get to see that all the time. And I've recently had one of my ladies who had to be put into full-time care from dementia Right. And that type of situation was a massive adjustment for me because I know that I am dealing with 40-year-olds but I am also dealing with the ageing population. So there are situations where people are going to have health issues and that's that's difficult in itself from a an emotional perspective on me. Yeah. I imagine you do get quite emotionally connected to your clients. Absolutely. I, and, mm. and the thing is about them, I don't see them as being mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers or whatever they are. I don't see that. It's only sometimes they'll be saying something to me and I go, oh, that's right, you are a grandmother, you have got, you know, five (laughs) grandchildren. It doesn't even enter my head. I just see them there working out and they're just that person. And I think that's what's important is that people are treated as individuals. They are treated as that person that they are. And sometimes people don't realise who they actually are and sometimes it's good to see them from somebody else's eyes through those other eyes. Yes, and, you know, that links back to your point earlier about women and self-care that, you know, I imagine for a lot of your clients they have spent so much of their lives giving to others, caring for others, that there can be a great deal of getting lost in the label of being the mother, the wife, the grandparent, the whatever, and that, that maybe this, them making this decision to get involved in moving their body and, and getting doing some exercise and, and really prioritising their health is something that they're doing for themselves that allows them to, to remember a little bit about who they are separate from that label. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a question that I ask, you know, who are you? And... They ponder on it for a little bit and that's the wonderful thing. I recently went to a 70-year-old birthday party that one of them had and they were playing, um, you know, where you stop the music and then you sit down. But they weren't just sitting down. They had, what? It, what is that game called? I can't even think of it. Yeah, so, anyway. um, musical chairs. Your musical chairs, there you go, that's it, thank you. And so, yeah, they're playing this game, but they're not using chairs. They've got pillows on the ground. What? So they're getting up and down off the ground. And I've gone, can you just be careful because I don't want to see any broken hips or anything? Because they were literally throwing themselves on the ground to sit on (laughs) one of these pillows. Um, Yeah, and they were playing statues, but they were jumping jacking in between and squatting and all sorts of things. And it was just like I love that they are embracing that inner child. Yes. This is making me feel excited about ageing. Oh, totally. 
<laughs> and, and that's the thing is that inspiration, those women are out there, they're changing the younger generation's life. And I was reading somewhere where it said what's important as far as ageing is concerned is that you surround yourself with younger women. Right. So when you surround yourself with younger women, they keep you young. Mm. Which I guess is part of what you're offering, uh, I imagine, is that, that um, these women can come along and there'll be a whole cross-section of different ages. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic to provide that sort of cross-generational opportunity, which not everybody has in their own family dynamic. So I love the fact that that's sort of, I guess, another uh, benefit of what you're offering. But Peter, for people that want to find out more about you and what you offer and where you are, how do, where do they go? How do they find out more about, about you? They can jump over on my website, which is just all the W's, stronghealthywomen.com.au. Or just mm-hmm. do a search for me on Facebook and you'll find me, Strong Healthy Women. Fantastic. And we'll put the uh, links in the show notes as well for people to be able to find out more about you uh, and pass it on to people that they know who might be interested in connecting with you as well. Um, and to finish up, have you got any thoughts or tips that perhaps could be useful for someone who is you know, maybe in a similar situation, a senior role, they're doing you know, well on the surface, but they're not really feeling that fulfilled and they're thinking about making some kind of career change. What sort of tips or ideas have you got for them, suggestions? Reflection. Take yourself away. Mm -hmm. You know, take yourself to the coast, do something for yourself and and sit on it, Just, just mull on it and start searching internally for your story. And yeah. what it is that inspires you. Yeah. And it will all happen from there. Yeah. So I guess creating that space to allow that. And I think that one of my observations is that, you know, high achievers often, you know, are used to having the answers and that when they consider a question like this, like, you know, what should I do next? If they have given so much of themselves to their job, to their work, life um, sometimes those answers don't come straight away no and we don't have all the answers anyway so it's it's accepting that things are going to crop up that we're not going to know but understand that you can find the answers somewhere yes and and I think that you know I'm a, a also a big believer and supporter in the importance of uh, cultivating self-awareness and that that you know sometimes does require as you've said some reflection it also you know can be you you know just being open and curious of not feeling like you have to know all the answers straight away but what are the things that you're sort of interested in that you're curious about without attachment to it having to be the perfect answer of the thing that you're going to do for work next but it might open up a different connection or an idea but it's through reflection and action that you're sort of testing the waters that you'll get more information that you can then make a decision from Um, but I love your idea of you know especially you mentioned about going by the coast I think there's something that opens up when you you know are by the water or in nature getting away from the usual environment to just sort of tap into something that's perhaps a bit bigger picture than your usual day-to-day so I love that suggestion absolutely it's beautiful I try and do reflection every evening before I go to bed I was going to ask about your if you have any regular ritual like morning rituals or, or nighttime rituals that you'd want to share the nighttime ritual, I think, is, is probably the most significant for me. So I make sure that, that I have a wind-down process so mm-hmm. that I am not just, you know, eating a meal, watching TV, going to bed. So there has to be some yeah. process for me. And so that just is really, really simple, but I go and put on some relaxation music. I do a little bit of yoga, not a lot. It's just whatever I feel like and then I sit and just meditate for a little bit and once I'm truly connected with that, I then open up my journal and I write in my journal. So whatever 
thoughts happen at that point, they just come out on the pages. And I think that's one of the things that can happen to us is when we go to bed, we haven't done that brain dump. We haven't got out all of our thoughts. And so it can wake us up at the night time. And so, yeah, I just go to bed and sleep like a baby. Yeah, get it all out first. I like the idea of that, um, you know, wind down uh, process of uh, of a night to try and, you know, improve the quality of your sleep a little bit mm. because I know that, you know, the impact of sleep just has impacts so many different aspects of your life. So um, great tip for you to have shared as well. I've actually got a little guide that I um, that's called the Eveningness Guide. Um, I have a free group called Women Over 50 Get Active and Healthy. And yes. um, I often um, pop in there all sorts of things. Like today I popped in there what I call the Move, Eat, Live journal process and I did a live on it. So, yeah, if anybody's interested in that, they can just, yeah, jump into that free group. You'll never know what you're going to find in there. Yeah, great. What was the name of the group again? Women over 50. You don't have to be 50, great. though. Women over 50 yep. get active and healthy. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll include a, um, that in the show notes as well so that people can go and check it out and um, potentially get access to some other great ideas and resources from you. Peter, thank you so much for making yourself available and sharing your story or a little bit about your story and your insights so that other people can get ideas and inspiration to perhaps consider their own uh, career transition going into you know the new decade that we're going into thank you so much I really really appreciate it. and um, yeah all the best for you for 2020 it's going to be an amazing year thank you so much well I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Peter lots of great tips and insights from her in that episode and if you want to continue to explore and make some time for you to think about what's next in the next phase of your work life as you transition into whatever that new thing's going to be would love you to come and join the private Facebook group which is called career change start and grow your own business would love to connect with you there and I'll see you next week 